word says that the man had compassion. Now, what is compassion? Here it is. Compassion is concern for the suffering or misfortune of others. To make it more plain and simple, the, 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 the Greek describes compassion like this. It is a movement in the guts. Let me say that one more time. It is a movement in the guts. Let me, all right, maybe you don't really get that. Have you ever had the bubble guts, right? You know, when the bubble guts hit you and you know what you got to do when you get bubble guts, you got to move real fast. You got to move quick. And so what the, what the description of the word compassion is this, is that when you see somebody suffering, you are forced to take action quickly, not to sit back and wait and see what's going to happen. The Samaritan was moved with compassion. And so when we watch the news and we see what's happening in our world, we ought to be moved with compassion, not to just simply pray, but we ought to be moved with compassion to join or to do something with an organization that is against racism, that is anti-xenophobia that is anti-humanity to let us know that we believe in equality and equity for all people because that's what God wants for us. And so I find in this story a major point that I want to bless all of you with that you can have before the end of the week. Number one, don't be the problem, be the solution. Verse 36 and 37 says, Now which of these three, thinkest thou, was a neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? The lawyer said, The one that showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, Go and do likewise. In other words, stop sitting here tripping me up, trying to mess me up, trying to question me on the scriptures that I inspired people to write. You would think I would know everything. Don't come here trying to do that, go and do the same thing. Because all the time that we spend complaining and bickering, we could be using our hands and our feet to help someone. All of the frivolous words that we spend talking about a whole lot of nothing, we can use the same big old mouths to bless someone along life's narrow way. Instead of having our food always taken out, why don't we find ways that we can take out food for somebody else? Instead of always trying to help ourselves, why don't we find ways to help other people? Jesus told the lawyer, go and do the same. Get up out of here. And it's because of this model. It's because of this story of the Good Samaritan that hospitals are built. Youth centers are all over the city. Cancer walk, march of dime, soup kitchens, you name it. If mankind would follow this model, adhere to the principle of the story, national hatred would end, wars would end, abuse would end, haters would stop hating, jealousy would stop, racism, ageism, sexism, chauvinism, classism, and two-facedism would all stop immediately if we followed this uh, follow the tenets of the story because here's what's happening when we don't follow the tenets of the story a hater man is going to marry a hater woman and then they're going to have hater kids and we're just going to have a generation of more and more hater kids if we don't follow what God says throughout his entire book and so Tacoma Academy instead of talking about it it's time to be about it and do the doggone thing
And so we may read the passage and think of the high cost of caring. But let me say this. It is far more costly not to care. The priest and the Levite lost far more by their neglect than the Samaritan did by his concern. The priest and the Levite lost the opportunity to become better men and good stewards of what God had given them. They could have been a good influence in a bad world, but they chose to perpetuate being a bad influence by ignoring a human who is lying by the roadside. So our question, who is my neighbor? My neighbor is anyone that I can help. My neighbor is anyone that's in need, which means that even if that person is a member of a race that is traditionally an enemy of mine, that is my neighbor. And so now, now we find the point that Jesus is trying to make here. Y'all are smart. You're scholars. You get it. I know it's already hit you um, from the moment that you heard me preaching this sermon. Now we understand the story for what it really is. Jesus answers the question once again in regards to who is my neighbor. Jews and Samaritans were created, Jews and excuse me, Jews and Samaritans despised each other. And so here is the answer to the question that we asked in the beginning of the sermon. My neighbor is the one that I have been taught to hate. My neighbor is the one that I've been taught to detest. For years, Jews have been taught to hate Samaritans. Their rift goes as far back as Second Kings when, when Israel was divided into two kingdoms, the northern and the southern. Samaria was the capital of the northern kingdom. When Jeroboam came on the scene, he changed the style of worship so that Samaritans did not travel to Jerusalem for worship anymore, but they adapted their own thing. This made the inhabitants of Jerusalem angry. So they made laws to make sure that they didn't mix or mingle. The Jews would call them dogs or half-breeds. They were taught that Jerusalem was the birthplace of Judaism. That's why the story of Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman at the well was so significant. Because Jesus is there talking to this woman and then the conversation switches to worship. And the woman says, my people worship here. But your people, the Jews, say that we ought to worship in Jerusalem. Jesus cuts the woman off and says the day is coming when it won't matter where you worship. Then the disciples saw Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman and they were livid. Why were they livid? Because Jewish law supported hatred for Samaritans. And going back, that they would call them dogs. That's why when the Syrophoenician woman came to Jesus, Jesus looked at her and said, It is not proper to cast the children's meat to the dogs. Jews called Samaritans dogs or half-breeds. Jewish law supported hatred for Samaritans. Jews thought that they were better than them. The Jews were very racist and prejudiced and biased towards Samaritans because of the way they worshipped, because of the way they sang, because of the way they dressed, because of the way they did things. They were racist to them. And so my neighbor is this. It is the one that I have been taught to hate. 
And so how does that speak to us? We have been taught to hate. Our media trains our mind to inform us in regards to who we are supposed to hate. Yeah, we've been taught to hate those Mexican people crossing the border when the majority of them are not Mexican. It is Central American people. We've been taught to call them illegals. But allow me to say this. No human being is illegal. And as a matter of fact, we are all migrants. We are all immigrants. We are all brought to this country. And the first immigration crisis that America saw was when the Quakers and the pilgrims came to this nation and murdered and and killed the Native Americans. The immigration crisis started with Christopher Columbus and the fact that we celebrate the holiday of a tyrant. That was the first immigration crisis. Yeah, but we've been taught to hate Central Americans. As Christians, we've been taught to hate all Muslims. As Seventh-day Adventists, we've been taught to hate other people from other faiths and other walks because they don't worship the way we do. They don't have the truth like we have it. We sit down in our churches and teach us to hate them, to not talk to them, to not be like them, but to only convert them. We can't even tell the difference when it comes to the Muslim community between a Sunni and a Shiite. But we think that everyone who wears a towel on their head is a terrorist. The moment something happens or uh, something is shot up and that individual's name is Jamal, we automatically attach them to Islamic terrorism when we fail to realize that terrorism is homegrown here in the yet-to-be United States of America. That terrorism showed itself on January 6th when those individuals raided the U.S. Capitol and took pictures and desecrated that holy land, right? That, that America makes all its laws and policies. No, the terrorists are right here. We've been taught to hate people in hoodies and love the people in the suits. We've been taught to hate anyone with brown skin, anyone with dark skin, anyone with colored skin and believe that white is right. We've been taught to that Jesus Christ is a white man with long hair and blue eyes, which is absolutely erroneous theologically, geographically, but it's okay to paint him in that picture, which is the picture of white supremacy because if you paint God as a white man, then obviously any person on earth that looks like that is supreme because they look closer to God and we've been okay with that. Our Sabbath school lessons, our 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 Sabbath school lessons and all our materials continues to paint a false image of Jesus Christ and that image teaches us to hate dark skin because it says dark skin is beneath dark skin is low no matter where you go on this earth the darker you are the lower you are on the totem pole of life and we can see this happening in america because of eugenics and because of what we've done to asian americans and testing them and and what we've taught through eugenics and teaching that black people's brains are smaller and therefore we're not fit for leadership our policing system is rooted in slave watches. That's why black people make white cops nervous because they've been taught that we are all prone to violence. And so, yeah, my neighbor is the person 
that I've been taught to hate. My neighbor is the one that I think that I'm better than. Who is it that we think that we're better than? Is it the homeless person that you may drive past every day? Is that is it the inmate? Is it the prostitute? Who do we think we're better than? Those people that don't speak as well as we do or 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 the people that think that we're better than the the unmarried young lady who has babies out of wedlock or the young man with his pants sagging or we think we're better than those gay people those africans those those americans those west indians your neighbor is the person that you think you are better than and jesus is reminding us that we aren't better than anyone. And if you are a child of God, then everyone, uh, then everyone who is made by God is your neighbor. All human beings are the children of God. And I need to stop crossing the street. But I'm called to impact those that God leads me to. And we are called by God to love our neighbor, to love beyond race, to love beyond gender, to love beyond class, to love beyond every kind of difference. Who is my neighbor? My neighbor is the stranger. My neighbor is the one that's been struck down. My neighbor is the one that is black, the one that is brown, the one that is Hispanic, the one that is Asian, Indian, Jewish, Hindu, atheist, agnostic, straight hair, kinky hair, Afro, braids, Catholic, Muslim, Brazilian, European, Iranian, Iraqi, Syrian, rich or poor, high or low. Whether they live in the highlands or the lowlands, they are still my neighbor and they deserve love, protection and care. They deserve a chance. My neighbor is the stranger that has fallen into the hands of thieves and robbers that have been hit by unfortunate circumstances in our world. That's my neighbor. And please don't get it confused by just doing acts of charity. But there is a work of justice that must be done on behalf of those who cannot fight for themselves. We live in a country that profits off of poor people. Privatized prisons and detention centers. Cash bail bonds is a way of charging poor people to pay for their freedom. We have communities that people cannot walk to a grocery store to buy fresh produce. We have children who are your age who go to bed starving every night. Police misconduct, political misconduct. And we can't see it because we are too busy having church and hating our neighbors.